hold yourself accountable. And if you can't hold yourself accountable, join a group that will. Yeah. Accountability pod, mastermind group, doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean Hello and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hello, welcome back to Pillars of Wealth Creation. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. With me, I'm excited to have Andrew Shutsky. Andrew, how are you doing today? Doing well, man. How are you? I am doing excellent. And uh, Andrew and I, we've known each other for what, maybe like, I don't know, six months or so? Maybe a little longer, six, a little, seven. A little longer. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So, so um, excited to have you on the show. And, and I wanted to bring you on, well, for for a couple of reasons, just because you're an awesome human being. So that's, that's always fun to have great people on the show, but you started this real estate journey fairly recently and you've done an amazing job up to this point. And so I wanted to bring you on to talk about this journey and how other people can actually repeat, rinse and repeat. Like, what have you done? There's, there's not like this magic trick, but you've just taken, taken it and actually done what a lot of people don't do. So I, that, that's what I want to just talk about with you. So a little bit about Andrew. He's the founder of Redline Equity LLC, so real estate syndication firm that specializes in acquisition, improvement, and management of large apartment buildings. Uh, and he currently works full-time in the technology space uh, as a CIO for a medical device business. Uh, he's based out of Pennsylvania, and he also has uh, over 14 years running real estate rental experience, uh, you know, beginning with house hacking and, um, and going from there. So, but dove in big to the multifamily space. He's currently a GP and an LP and has ownership interest in over 1,100 units. And he's also the host of an amazing podcast called Crushing Cashflow. Uh, which interviews investors in all stages of their journey to tell their stories about success and failures. So with that said, Andrew, let's dive in, man. Looking forward to it. I'm excited. So, you know, you, you've had, it's not like you're completely brand new, fresh into real estate, but you're, you're newer in the sense of where you're at today in, in this kind of journey. So let's, let's talk, let's just take it back from the beginning. Um, first real estate deal. And then wh where you kind of went from there. So what was your first real estate deal? Are you, are you talking single family or the multifamily period Re real okay. estate period? Yeah. So as you kind of read off in, in the intro and bio, my my first exposure to real estate rentals was back in my in my first house hack just you know launched out of college maybe a year or two out i was traveling in a consulting gig you know 50 weeks out of the year so i bought a single family with my you know soon to be wife we kind of you know moving in on the sides we weren't married yet but um and i was like okay well i'm never really here so i've always been interested in, in renting let me dip my toe in let me do the house i don't think anybody called it a house hacking back, no. by the way back then no. so so I rented out two thirds of my house and I was barely there. The guy that was there was actually traveling. So I never even saw it, it was great. I'm like, wow, I'm paying little bit next to nothing. My taxes are nothing, whatever. And I'm like, wow, I need to do more of this. So 
over the years and it was it was a side gig it wasn't you know i wasn't looking at this as a profession or anything like that just more of a hobby and interest i was dabbling in cars and all kinds of stupid things to waste your money on anyway but um but got me interested you know did a series of single family rentals slowly over the years got into short-term rentals which i still do now to, to this day uh, about six years ago down the coast of jersey shore which i really enjoyed and i thought that was going to be my thing for a long time and as I look, you know, we bought one, we were looking at building, you know, two, three, four, five up and down the coast, just like now prices started to escalate down there three, four years ago to the point where you needed substantial capital to put the down payment on and close. And that led me, you know, we made it a number of offers and things like that down there. And uh, that led me to, okay, let me look at, you know, smaller multifamily stuff on my own. Like I was looking at eight and 12 units down in, and actually in Florida, I was like, okay, Jersey's getting really expensive. I can only rent realistically 12 weeks a year. This is only going so far. I can't scale that quickly, right? So what options do I have? I like traveling to Florida. You know, my wife and I like going down there anyway. So we, again, I was looking at eight and 12 units. Again, pretty substantial cash outlay. And we could probably buy maybe one building every year, every two years. That led me to research, you know, as, as you know, well, uh, bigger pockets turned me on to, okay, I was reading all these stories about, you know, how do I go faster? How do I scale this? How can I leverage other people's network experience, that kind of thing. And I discovered syndication. I remember reading, you know, one or two different stories as indicators who had started pretty much just like I was single family dabbling and was able to, in the matter of, a matter of you know, 12, 24 months, even doing it part-time like I'm doing scale very, very quickly. So I went kind of, I wouldn't say ballistic, but I, I went pretty hard in the education and networking space. And uh, for me, I'm a big believer in both those things. And it's helped me in my W2 job. It's helped me in my personal life, but I, I just, I really love to learn. I love to meet people. You know, I think it's about treating people with respect and just being genuine and making connections. And that's mm -hmm. kind of what led me into my first deal, which I think you were kind of getting to that in a long-winded way. Uh, in January of 2021, I think, you know, you and I were talking way back. I was just putting out feelers, going to conferences, reading books, going to any local meetup events, anything that came across my desk. And I think I overcommitted myself because it was stressful. But in hindsight, I met an individual through a, out of a conference, out of, you know, the one or out of 10 calls I was making a week, just connecting with people for, you know, you know a virtual coffee, if you want to call it that, five, 10 minutes at a time. And connected with an individual and I was like, hey, here's what I'm looking for. I just want to get my feet wet. You know, I'll sweep the floors, whatever I want to do. Where can I add value? I've got 20 years in corporate, pretty good at packaging things. I can do the asset management thing if need be. I can bring capital to a deal. I've got a lot of investors who are looking, you know, corporate guys wanting to place capital. What do you got? And I eventually struck, uh, you know, we connected with, uh, with one guy and he's like, hey man, I, I can really use some help. I've got a lot of projects on the table help me package this thing, help me get the financing together. And then, you know, of course we, we, we could use help with the race. And I was like, I don't, you know, I don't know what I could raise, whatever. But uh, I knew that at that point, I was like, all right, I gotta get my foot in the door. And then from there, it, you know, it took a series of months to close and lots of lessons learned along the way. But um, that was it, man. From there, it's, it's, uh, it's putting the world on notice. I love it. I love it. So why, you know, you, you were going to go, Small multifamily, right? Mm -hmm. What made you not go small multifamily? Was it just the just the the reading and the intrigue of the larger deal, or what was there other other reasons? Uh, two main things stand out, and I think the obvious one is 
you know, you only have, I mean, my wife and I are blessed. We do really well on our, on our W2s, but you only have so much capital to deploy. You know, we've got two young kids, $2,500 daycare payment, saving for college. Oh, I mean, see, you're not, you're not left with hundreds of thousands of dollars every year. You know, we're not that fortunate. So there's the capital component and you can only scale so quickly so soon. And then the time, right? I mean, to hire a full-time property manager on an eight to 12 unit, you're, you're dipping into a good chunk of your cash flow, And there's no way I'd be managing that myself. So I think those two things are the main reason. I'm like, there's gotta be, there's lots of other people doing this. What can I learn from others that have been successful? Yeah. And the issue with the small deals too, is they're, they're so small that it's hard to raise capital for them. Yeah. But a lot, a lot of times it just doesn't make sense to raise capital unless you've maybe got one or two people that just have some money and want to place it with you. But again, that eventually runs out as mm -hmm. well. So, um, what, what are, so, so, okay. You, you went fast right through that. It wasn't that simple. You just didn't like randomly one day wake up and talk to somebody and got a deal. Right. So like step one, sounds like you, you just got, you were hungry. Right. So, so step one was what? So I'll back up a second too, because yeah. there was more to it than just, Hey, I met somebody, we connected, we did a deal prior to that. And you know, this as well, you know, I was locked in, I picked a market and I picked actually the Florida market and yeah. made some connections with brokers, took a trip down there, uh, got to know some property managers in the area, got to know some attorneys in there, build out the team, if you will. So I was locked in on Gulf coast, West coast of Florida. I'm like, it's a great market. Trouble is everybody else you know, knows it's a great market. Cap rates continue to compress. I started, you know, continue to underwrite properties. And I still do today. And uh, without having, you know, two, three, four, five years experience, or even, you know, five deals under your belt, really, really hard to be competitive and make an offer on your own. So that's mm -hmm. when I'm like, okay, maybe I should shift. You know, I was spending probably 80% of my time on brokers, underwriting and finding a deal. And I'm doing this part-time, right? So I don't have, you know, 50 hours a week to devote to that. I can't do that trip down there every week. They're like, hey, come take a tour. I'm like, you know, I can't just drop everything and do that. So I'm like, all right, where I'm at in my life right now, maybe I should focus at 80% of energy on the networking, continuing the education, but really on the networking and then bringing value to somebody else's deal. Yeah, you're taking a smaller cut of the pie. We've got the W2 job. You're gonna go slower than you would doing this full-time. But meanwhile, you can sustain your family life and all that. So that's what I'm like, hmm, okay, maybe my, my value add right now is the capital component, you know, bringing my investors, helping package the deal, but I'm spending a lot less time sorting out my own deal relationship. So that's when I, I shifted my energy. And I'd say this is like the January, February timeframe into the networking component. And I, I'd say for anybody in a similar situation, you're talking about rinsing and repeat. If you're good at that type of thing and you like to to network and leverage other people's experience relationships, maybe consider if you're spending 90% of your time like I was underwriting and trying to get that needle in a haystack, maybe your time is better spent investing that in networking and going hardcore in that area. I was just talking to a, a, a gentleman before um, before this and he was talking about, you know, getting in these deals and he's, getting, you know, he's kind of sidetracked and he's got too many deals coming. He says, I got too many deals coming in. I got all this deal flow coming. He's a real estate attorney. And so he gets all these deals, a lot of great opportunities, but he doesn't know if he can raise the money for him. He doesn't know if he has time to operate them and all this kind of stuff. And I said, well, look, just slow down. Why don't you do one thing 
Mm-hmm. Why don't you get these deals? And then you find people because everybody's looking for deals. So you have the deals. Go partner with people. And that's what you did. You didn't necessarily find the deals. Right. But you figured out, okay, what can I add to the table? What can I bring that can be useful for these deals that we have? And how can I have a smaller piece of the pie? Yep. Right. Exactly. I mean, it's, and everybody's situation is going to be different and what you enjoy doing uh, for me and for the foreseeable future, my role would be the same. But it took me a while to figure that out. Like, what am I really good at? Where should I focus my energy on that one or maybe two things? Not in the beginning I had, I'm looking at my whiteboard. I had, you know, networking deals, you know, starting the podcast, which I'm still doing obviously, but I was spreading myself in six areas and I'm really, I'm getting value mainly from the relationship side of things. And I'm like, okay, well, that's where my, my, my limited energy and time is, should be better spent in that area. Yeah. It's kind of my main takeaway. Well, and as you progress, right, as you do more deals and you are able to replace that, that income, that W2 income, or even if you're like, Hey, I might stay in this, maybe this is what you do for, for, for a long time or for, you know, until you retire, who knows, but as you go and progress, you can start to add more little pieces to that pie. Right. And, and now instead of taking a, let's call it a 5% of the GP, now you can take a 10% and then a 15% exactly. and a 20% and, and you can grow that, amount of ownership that you have and your roles and responsibilities. And it doesn't just become overwhelming because it's a, that slower, gradual growth. I think so many people in this business and it's natural, right? It's natural to go, I want to do it all. Mm-hmm. It's natural to think, what do I have to do? I read this book. This book tells me that I have to, you know, find the deal. Then I have to do the due diligence and raise the money you know, it gives me these steps. So I'm going to follow these steps that those steps are not wrong in, in and of themselves, but it doesn't mean you need to do every single one of those steps. And that's something you figure out very quickly. That's a great point. that's exactly my thought process is, is it, you can be easily overwhelmed, especially if you're working a full-time job and everything, trying to tackle everything, learn everything at once. And that's probably, that's been my experience as well. It's like, okay, you're leaning in on sections of due diligence. You're leaning in on engaging with the attorney or, you know, helping with the lease, whatever it may be, it can be incremental, right? It can be like you said, exactly what my thought process is. You don't need to have 75% of a GP on your second deal, you know, especially if you're, you've got other, you know, uh, coals in the fire, but it can be incremental, right? Absolutely. You can be as small or as fast as you want, uh, depending on your, your tolerance for, for time or your attention. Yep. Most of the deals I see that we get that are failed deals, if you want to call them that, the deals that, you know, the owners didn't do very well on is it's because, you know, it's, it's owned by Frank and Frank does everything or tries to do everything, but he does nothing really well, right? Because he tries to do it all. He doesn't have the teams in place. Those are the majority of the deals that I find that we buy from the kind of the distressed. And I don't want to call them completely distressed because sometimes they're they're even okay. But mm-hmm. the owner didn't maximize the value because they didn't have teams surrounding them and support surrounding them. Yeah. 
And that's the case with the first deal we found. We started digging in and uh, clearly they didn't have the time to properly asset manage. You know, things weren't categorized correctly. There just wasn't oversight. It wasn't that it was like they had just completely neglected it, but those small details over time, you know, the bookkeeping and the re- keeping up with the expenses just went unnoticed because they had, I don't, I don't know, I want to say 20 or 30 properties in their portfolio. And it's the same dude, quote unquote, asset managing the whole thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Trying to do it all. Yeah. yeah. So, all right. So let's, let's, um, education. Mm-hmm. You started out with education. How yes. long did you, let's call it educate yourself before you started taking the first steps of action? And I don't want to make that sound like getting your first deal. Yeah. When I'm talking action, I'm talking reaching out to brokers, um, you know, networking with other people. So reading books, listening to podcasts is step one. How long were you in that journey before you stepped out? And I'm, I'm probably, I'll admit, I'm probably the exception, um, you know, over, I think I, I really started researching, I'd say in the October timeframe, reading some smaller articles, things like that. Um, I spent, I'd say the better part of two months and I oversaturated myself. That was my way of building confidence of like, Hey, I want to sound knowledgeable talking to brokers, networking people. So I, I kind of just hammered the com- complete repetition over the period of a couple of months. I read every multifamily book really I could find on Amazon, honestly. So that you don't need to do that is my point. Um, that was my way of establishing confidence to go out and go fast. And then I think right around the start of the new year, you and I engaged, you know, hired a mentor, a coach. And I was like, I will go in all in. Now is the time to just say, hey, everything in the, I, I learned in these books, let me start doing it. And it was small steps. It was like, okay, meet three people this week, connect with two new brokers. And it was a methodical, very small chunks, but very consistent over, you know, January, really December, January, February. So a couple of months of education. Again, don't need to do all that. That was just my way of establishing confidence. And if that works for you, phenomenal. If you feel good after for one book, okay, may, maybe a little repetition can help. Not, right? not going to happen. You not going to happen. You better but, read more than one book, or you better read yeah. that book more than once. But I, I found I got to a point where you know after six, seven, eight books of that are yeah. similar content, some were yes. more detailed than others. I get it, but I'm like, okay, I heard this before. I, I've seen enough. I've read enough. I'm serious about this. I'm excited about it. Yep. Let's start calling brokers. Let's start going to conferences. Let's start, um, you know, underwriting deals. And I was at that point, uh, you know, back in December, it was like a lull of like, there's no inventory out there, no listings. But I was looking at stuff yeah. two years old on Crexy and LoopNet. And I was like underwriting stuff that was like in Alabama, nowhere near my market. But I just wanted the reps. I was like, I just want to yes. start going through executing the CAs and, and just seeing how this looks and asking questions. And then I actually took some Udemy courses and underwriting just to kind of get more practice with that. Hooked up with a mastermind group. We would bounce some deals off each other. And I think all that combined really went a long way. Yeah, the, uh, this, some of the stuff you just talked about, I don't want to glaze over that. The, the underwriting deal in Alabama or Cleveland, yeah. Ohio or whatever. And you're actually, your focus is, is let's call it Florida at the time. Right. Your focus is you're, you're trying to buy something in Tampa or, or whatever. You're underwriting a deal in, in Alabama. You have no interest in that deal, but you're trying to get those reps in. Um, exactly. I think that's super important. And a lot of people don't do that. And that's, that's really where you should start because 
just you just need the practice. You talk yeah. to those brokers, you know, get to know those properties a little bit, get to understand why they worked and didn't work and and uh talk with the broker. Yeah. You know, that's practice. Get those reps in, like you yeah. said. That's really and it's important. I'll say, like, that's not the only way, as you know, I'm an example. That's not the only way to get into a deal, right? But you should still be getting comfortable you need with the to know what you're doing. Yeah. You have to know what you're doing. And, it, and for me, I mean, maybe, again, maybe I'm the exception, but I like to do something 100, 200 times, maybe even before I talk to anybody in a meaningful way, because I want to have that confidence level. Not just that's the word for me. So for you, you know, you don't want to develop an oversense of confidence too early. You know, that was my way of just jamming it in my head, getting the reps, yeah. just like going to the gym. You don't develop muscle or, uh, endurance from doing something once twice three times it's you know 5 5 30 p.m every day do this five yeah. seven days a week whatever it takes 100 percent. and yeah maybe you don't need to know everything about underwriting maybe that's not your strength maybe you right. don't need to know everything about asset management that's not your strength raising money that's whatever your strength is and is not it doesn't matter you need to know enough to have, at least have that knowledge. And especially, I think on the underwriting part, especially, yeah. uh, you need to know enough because if you're going to bring in other people's money, you better know if that's a deal or not. I was just going to say, I mean, if you're, you know, your own money is one thing when you're trying, especially when you're trying to establish a brand, you need to do the pre-vetting, right? Because if one of them comes in, it's like, Hey, you get some really aggressive assumptions. And a lot of people have sophisticated yeah. investors that, that have seen more than one or two or five deals. Um, they're going to call you out on it if you don't do your homework and, and it doesn't make, it doesn't leave you in a good position. So you need to be able to, like you said, be knowledgeable enough to look for the tricks that you might see that are commonly manipulated, you know, exit cap rates, uh, the gap between expense growth and income, like the little things that, that you see out there um, that can vary and can really swing a projected return. Yep. Yep. hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, and it's, it's easy for, it's easy for a sponsor to make those little adjustments to make a deal look good. I mean, there's, there's plenty of, of sponsors out there that do a lot of deals uh, that I wouldn't put a dollar into. Yeah. Um, And then there's others that I would very much trust. And so you want to find those people that you really would trust. Um, Let's talk about the, these, you closed on two deals fairly recently. Mm -hmm. You don't need to tell me every single last little detail yeah. on them, but let's talk about a couple lessons that you learned. Maybe pick like your top three to five lessons that you learned from those deals. Yeah. So I'll give you a couple of themes um, and probably more on the first deal than the second one. So the first one, communication is key, right? Early on, you know, I came in, Hey, I'm just kind of riding, uh, on the, on the experience of much more experienced individuals and they're doing, you know, a bunch of different projects at a time. That's the, and grateful, you know, I'm grateful for being, I probably wouldn't be there if they didn't have a bunch of the deals, because they wouldn't need the help. But at the same time, you've got a lot of decisions to make. You're leaning on their experience. And in the beginning, it was kind of hazy who's doing what, right? Like I knew what I was doing, but I'm like, okay, who's got the ball in X, Y, and Z. You're seeing, dozens of emails fly in over the course of the, the, the weeks from lenders and attorneys. And it wasn't clear who had what, who had the ball on what actions early on. And this, you know, I'm, a, I'm back in the day, project manager, many a years doing that. I'm, I'm kind of disciplined with like, okay, we've got actions, we've got owners, we've got deadlines, who's tracking what. And fast forward a couple of months, you know, 
things just take forever, right? You have lender delays, you've got attorneys taking a while. Had we established a clear errors responsibility on day one and had a 20 minute call to hash that out, okay, here's who's on point for the broker side, here's who's on point for the lender, here's who's engaging with the attorney, we could have knocked that stuff out in a couple of weeks. And, you know, I think part of it was too, they had somebody new on the lending side, maybe his first, second underwrite. So he didn't know everything to ask right away. Yeah. So he was kind of peppering in new things were moving along. And I'm like, oh my God, when is this going to end? And come to realize that like they really that list should have been apparent from first, second from week. day one. You could have knocked that stuff out. Yeah. yeah. But we all were just chipping away at it. And it wasn't like we had clear grasp of who had what. And a lot of that, you know, I, I take responsibility for that now. Knowing what I know is like, don't sit in the backseat. Yep. Step up and drive. Even if you're the new guy. And you don't, you may not even know all the questions to ask. You're like, okay, who's got, how are we dividing and conquering? And what's the timeline look like? That's just my execution, you know, innate ability coming out. So that might, that'd be my, one of my things out there. So. Well, but if you look, if you're the new guy and you do end up taking charge, of course, not overstepping your, your limits, but right. you do take charge and you do get this deal to get across the table you're going to be the first call the next time, mm-hmm. you know, people are going to see that whether you do business with them or not, people are going to see that and they're going to want to do business with you. And so I, I think that that's valuable not to be the person, not just because you're new, doesn't mean you have to sit back where are your strengths and how can you focus on, on doing that? And you clearly have some strengths with, with being able to communicate properly, with knowing what the roles of, of people are, knowing how to run projects. And so taking that and, and actually executing on it is going to add us so much value. And they're going to be so appreciative of having you that, you know, the next deal, you're welcome to come in. And quite frankly, your probably ownership role is going to go up because we know how valuable you are. Yeah. And I didn't realize how rare that was until you start talking to people and it's not as well organized as you think automatically. It's like, everybody knows exactly what they do. That's not the case. Right. I mean, that's where you're like, wow, I didn't realize I had something to offer in that area. I thought this was a given, but it's not the case. Yeah. I see it in my, in my W2 as well. I mean, you expect people to to operate, communicate professional, whatever it may be in a timely manner. And it's, it's rare actually. (laughs) Yeah, so. that, <laughs> that's probably a, the, I, I would say that's very rare. Yeah. Uh, I just, I just got an email from an investor the other day, thanking me for the amount of communication and transparency we put into deals. Um, and, and he invested in several deals and said that, you know, that that's not the case in all these deals. And, and I think I need to do a better job and step it up. Yeah. So if I think we need to do a better job, that means they're doing even worse. And it's just, it's how it is. A lot of people don't communicate very well. Yeah. Um, and they, they don't know who's doing what we all just try to kind of do the same thing. Yeah. I've learned the same lesson, even like contractors and smaller projects at the home or the investment property. I mean, there's the same thing there. I mean, they're just not really well known for communication and that just adds stress. It's unnecessary in my opinion. Why the podcast? Why did you decide to start your podcast? Well, t- tell everybody the name again, and then why did you decide to start it again? 
So it's called crushing cash flow, and you know a couple a couple of reasons really. One, you know, as I'm as I'm educating myself, I'm looking at those that are successful. I'm thinking, you know, what's a what's another way aside of just you know putting out a website and talking to a couple of people? What's a way to get across my intentions, share my passion, share information, educate people, and meet people as quickly as possible in a known format? And I'm like, well you know, okay, there's tons of podcasts out there. Anyway, what I realize is, so what? I mean, no one has the same experience as you do. No one's going to ask the exact same questions. And your sphere of influence, your immediate sphere of influence, your friends and family, where you're starting, they don't know about the other podcasts anyway. So why not give them something to relate to? And as you're having one-on-ones with people, number one, you're kind of establishing a way to have connections with people that otherwise wouldn't give you the time of day in the beginning. Um, you're getting, you're getting that opportunity to meet people and you're sharing that with, you know, whoever dozens or hundreds of people that download it every week. So it's a win-win and it's not a huge time commitment for anybody that's thinking about it. And you're just trying to build your brand. Why not do everything I can within reason without killing myself in time and effort? Why not do things that are, there are proven repeatable ways to get your name out there. Yep. That's it. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's really good. Um, what are three steps? What are three things, three key, you know, success areas that you can tell the listener who says, wow, I want to do what he just did. Like, I want to go from not being in, uh, on the GP side of any deal to now closing on two you know, pretty sizable multifamily deals in a very short period of time to when you first decided this is where I'm going. What are, what are like three key success tips? And maybe we've already mentioned some of them, but. We have, but I'll recap. And there's no secret sauce, right? To me, it's about, and this sounds very cliche and repetitive, but it's like, okay, lay out your plan. And what are the aspects of that plan? Let's say over a 90 day period. That's why I kind of, that's what my, my plan was 90 days. I got a whiteboard. I broke it into different areas. I already mentioned education. What are you doing? Something every day. Networking. What are you doing? You've got deals and you've got your brand. You have, assume that you're establishing LLC of some sort, whatever, whatever structure, it doesn't matter. Week by week, what are you doing for those 90 day goals and stick to it consistently? I mean, it's simple, as simple as that, but yeah. I'm breaking out those three months week by week. And I wish I could show you my camera. I still have it up there. I do it in the W2. I do it on, on the, the red line and crushing cash flow side. What are you doing consistently? Even when you don't feel like doing it, you've got to stick to it. And that's where the execution is where people fall down. A lot of people are great planners. They can think about, they know what to do. They read the books. Mm-hmm. Where are you falling down? Hold yourself accountable. And if you can't hold yourself accountable, join a group that will. Yeah. Accountability pod, mastermind group, doesn't matter. Yeah. And if you're self-motivated, I, I consider myself to be self-motivated. I, I do that, but I still benefit from having people kick me in the butt every once in a while, or even just putting it out there publicly. I'm like, wow, I feel like I got to live up to that expectation. So simple as plan, execute consistently to the plan. You're, there's going to be days, weeks where you're burned out. If you need to take a break, take a rest. It happens to everybody. I'm kind of, I felt like I was at a point like two weeks ago where I'm like, all right, I just did a couple of deals taking on more responsibility in W2. I need to take a break. And that's fine. I mean, you're going to have that. I mean, you're going to be burned out. It's better to take a breath, to take a, take a break than quit. Right. So yep. you're not feeling energized, passionate. That's normal. Take a break two weeks. It's not for weeks. too long. 
Not for too long. Correct. Yeah. yeah for me, like a week goes a long way, you yeah. know? So I might be like, okay, I feel like I'm, I'm not as excited about this as I was. You go through a lot of stress, take a break. Not for too long. Yep. Yep. No, I, I love it. I love the 90 day goals too. And, and like you said, you're, everybody can plan. So we can put those 90 day goals up. We can actually plan them, but are you actually executing on them? So what are you truly doing? So make sure when you do your goals, you actually have action steps to take, and then you're, you're taking those action steps. That's a, like, that's the biggest thing. And that's the, you already said it. Like there's so many people that want to do XYZ. They, they want to be multifamily investors. They want to flip houses. They want to, want to, want to, but then they, when it comes to what are you doing? What are you actually doing? What I've read the books. Okay, great. But what are you doing? Mm-hmm. You know, are you actually taking the real steps? Cause it's not that difficult. It's not that difficult. I want to ask you just a, just a, another couple questions sure. and then we'll wrap up. So what's a mistake that you've made? And it doesn't have to be necessarily just recently. What's a mistake you've made um, through any of your real estate or business journey that you think people can really learn from? So I'll go back to my, and I still deal with this because uh, I got a lot, I know you dabble in construction quite a bit. I like to be a lot of hands-on in projects. I deal with a lot of contractors, never make assumptions with contractors in the scope of work, timing or anything like that. I've kind of learned to, and I'm a planner, as you know, I've talked about that. Renovations, things like that, never pretty much go as planned. No. So in budget and timing, I almost double. <laughs> So, and I've learned that, and you think I learned that lesson after I, you know, multiple projects have kind of gone south or uh, like renovation type thing where they take longer that we found rotted wood, water leaks, whatever. That's one thing is if you're new to that type of thing, uh, I'm not anymore, but if I had to go back 10 years and, you know, even the single family space is the same thing, just on a scale of multifamily renovation construction, never take their word for gold contractors. That is. Oh yeah. Never, never. Always, they're always going to be like you said, they're always going to cost you more than what they say. Yeah. They're always going to take a lot longer than what they tell you. So when they tell you it's going to take a month, it's going to take two. Yeah. It's your, it just is. Yeah. And I mean, I do have a couple of like guys that I really like to work with. The problem is they're never available because everybody knows they're really good. So you can't count on having that gold standard for every project. It's funny. I uh, We're doing a, a really big renovation on an apartment building right now. And when we first got started, the contractor said it's going to take about three to four weeks to turn an entire unit. And I told my partners, I said, that's great. He thinks it's going to take three to four weeks, but it will take six to eight weeks. I promise you that. And we got to a point where they were getting frustrated because it was taking him, you know, it, it was getting to like week five. And, and I'm like, guys, I told you six to eight weeks. And it's one thing, if it's all interior work, (laughs) it can be more controlled when you get, when weather becomes a factor. Oh, especially when weather becomes a factor. It's like, even a small example, when we built a pool at our primary home here in PA a couple years back and they, they swore on paper and contractually they'd be done in six to eight weeks. You know how long that took? A year. Yeah. Wow. It rained like five out of seven days. I I mean, it, it was, some of it was outside their control, the weather for sure. 
but they played off of that excuse like for months and months and months and it was very stressful yeah so yeah dirt piles in your yard everywhere um all right so i want to um i want to wrap up here what's a what's a favorite book you can recommend to our listeners i think my my favorite one that I, that is applicable to, to anybody, whether you're syndicating or not, if you're interested in multifamily, uh, the hands-off investor by Brian Burke is great. I recommend it to my investors all the time saying, Hey, if you're starting somewhere, you want to know the ropes of what goes through my head. Phenomenal book. It covers it soup to nuts. You can skip over some sections if you're not super interested, but a great overview of what goes through, what should go through an investor's mind passively, or even as a, as a sponsor, as you're looking for selecting, evaluating, operating a property. Yeah. Talk about awesome favorite. people. Brian's a, Brian's a great person. He's been on the show for listeners. Uh, if you want to listen to him, I, I don't know the episode off the top of my head, but it was uh, maybe a, maybe a year and a half or two ago. So oh, come on, Bob, you don't have an index yeah. in your brain. I don't, I don't have the index sitting up here. Um, what's a, what's a way you like to give back? Uh, I, I mean, I, I see myself longer term becoming more of a, a formal mentor, but I, I, I don't mind taking calls from like more junior people who are doing, like you mentioned, how do you rinse and repeat? I'm getting a lot of messages from people in bigger pockets and from forums and posting these articles. Mm-hmm. I love just spending 15 minutes to kick somebody in the right direction or, hey, yeah. give them the same advice we just talked about now, but tailored to what they're doing. So I really like to just talking to people one-on-one and informally coaching, mentoring, whatever. So I enjoy it. Uh, it helps them. It helps me. It helps refine my skills. It helps them, obviously. So, cool. Last question: What are yeah. your three pillars of wealth creation? I think we covered them. Um, relentless education. Yeah. Re- relentless networking yeah. and consistent, thoughtful action in the right direction. Love it. Love it. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, Andrew. Appreciate you being on the show. Um, tons of value. It's exciting. I'm excited to just continue to watch your journey and help you um, along the way. But man, it's just, it's just been it's just been phenomenal so far already. And uh, so I'm just excited to watch you grow. And and I know we're gonna have you back on this podcast when you you know own 10,000 units which will be like next year, probably, but, uh, we're going to, we're going to have you back on and it's, it's going to be fun to talk about the journey that you've gone through and the lessons that you've learned, but, uh, how can our listeners get in touch with you, talk to you, learn more about what you got going on? Great. You know, and firstly, thank you so much for having me on the show. It's been an honor to talk to you and, and share some of the small pieces of knowledge I've learned in a short period of time, but, um, you can kind of, you can look at me in a different couple different places. Uh, Redline Equity is our investment firm. Website is investwithredline.com. Email is good, Andrew at investwithredline. Or I, as you mentioned before, our podcasts. Uh, we're on Facebook, Instagram, any of that, any of the major platforms. Uh, Crushing Cash Flow. Look it up on Facebook or uh, Spotify, iHeartRadio, any of those major platforms. It's good. Awesome. Well, again. Thanks for having, or thanks for being on the show and, uh, you know, taking this time and spending it with us. Happy to help, man. Have a fantastic rest of the day. You too. Thanks.
Hey, thanks so much for listening. I appreciate you being a loyal listener. Say, I would love to have you go on to our Facebook page and subscribe. Uh, give us a thumbs up. Go on to iTunes or wherever you listen and give us a rating and review. Don't forget to subscribe. Your rating review just helps us push this out to more and more people and continue to grow our audience and hopefully positively affect a ton of people out there that really need this and, and want this. So uh, the other thing I've got for you is a free ebook on my website. So go on to VentureDProperties.com, VentureDProperties.com and download our free ebook on real estate and on syndication. And I've got some data points in there, some really good stuff for you. So I'd love to have you take a look at that. It's free. I'm not expecting anything from it. Uh, and also look, if you want some help in multifamily, want some help learning, growing, getting your business off the ground, I would love to talk to you about what it would look like uh, to work with me potentially and see if that's a good fit. So you can go to coachwithdex.com and check that out and uh, we can definitely have a, uh, a call. Thanks a lot for listening. You make it a fantastic rest of the day. I'll catch you on the next episode.